Well, good morning. Man, it's good to see everybody here this morning. Come on, somebody. It's good to be in the house of God. Good to be in this theater that we transform into a church, asking for the Holy Spirit to meet us right here, to meet you right here, that we would come and we would assemble. I love that the church is the body. And when the community of the believers come around one another, then, then we see God start to show up and God start to move in powerful ways. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1 is where we're going to be in just a moment. Excited to share God's word with you. My microphone's a little loud. I'm already loud enough. I don't even know why I need this, I guess, for our online audience. And thank you if you're joining online and you're a member with us and you're participating online here at Luminous Church. It's, um, it's a delight to be with you and to share God's word. And, and uh, man, I just, I wanted to brag on, just worship team was awesome. They just did an incredible job. And I want to brag on Will Galloway being up here, get, uh, exhorting us, moving us into our tithes and offerings. So proud of Will and Aisa um, as campus ministers here who serve at UTSA and help here in the church as well. Uh, really am proud of them. Really am proud of what God's doing in their life. If you don't know Will, get to know him. He's an incredible um, man and an incredible minister of the gospel. He wears blazers a lot better than me. And everything that he was wearing today is just a lot better than I would ever wear it. So I'm thankful for that. He's going to be preaching, actually, here's a little teaser. He's preaching, I believe, June 12th. June 12th, he's going to be preaching at Luminous Church. So that's really exciting. Uh, you know, it's our heart to continually raise up campus ministers and pastors and people who would exhort and proclaim the word of God. And, and uh, it, our, our hope is never to be a mega church. How many of y'all know that? We don't want to be a mega church. Uh, we just want a mega God. And that's, that's our whole idea. That's what we long for. And so we want to raise up as many pastors and worship leaders and people to um, take stages and altars and platforms and minister the gospel and love neighborhoods and communities all over the city and all over the world. And so we'll do as much as we can to empower people so that they can be released with their time talent and treasure to reach the ends of the earth because that's what we believe God has called us to do in a tremendous way. I'm excited. I want to give you just a little update. It's May 1st and some of you have been following our journey and and if you know May 1st, May 1st is the day that we were set as a people to raise $60,000. You may not know this, but we had a $60,000 gift that was matched um, so for every dollar we gave, we would it would be matched dollar for dollar. We're really excited about that, up to $60,000. And the reason that we're raising the, these funds is we're looking to buy land right next to Chicken and Pickle. There's an acre of land there that we just had um, just extreme favor over. The Lord has spoken it. He's spoken it through many people, put it on their heart that this was the piece of land that would be set apart for Luminous Church and many different words spoken about that many different words spoken about this so so we're excited because we've been raising money and and we've had two months to to match this sixty thousand dollars now now that's a big number for our church that's a big number but here's why that was amazing it's incredible because this land we found to be um that we need a down payment of ninety thousand dollars to acquire this land so a sixty thousand dollar match gets us the down payment and it helps us have the carrying cost on that land until we construct a building and be able to be in there. So it was just God's provision. So as of to date, we have raised, I believe, in total with the match. Go ahead, Stephen, put that up there. 
$140,971. Come on, somebody. So that is what is pledged um, towards this building. And you gave, you gave gifts, you pledged, you prayed, you asked your grandma and your grandpa and everybody else in between, and you pledged this match. As today in our bank, we have $123,971 of that pledge. So we fully matched the $60,000. We matched above and beyond that. And the good news is, is that's something to be celebrated about what God is doing to move us into the next phase as we move forward with this building here on UTSA Boulevard, which we believe is a God place, a God building as we continue to reach UTSA students alongside of the community of San Antonio. So really awesome. I want to pray over this. I want to just Pray over you and your faithfulness to give sacrificially to this. It's really been a journey, and so I don't want to move ahead of celebrating the win that God did. Uh, sometimes, you know, we just we, we, we move past the wins, and we never celebrate what God did. And he gives glory along the way, along the journey. So will you join me in prayer as we pray this morning? Father, we are so incredibly grateful for you. We thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, thank you for just prompting our hearts to move towards this land and towards a building. We know that your church is much larger than land and a building, but it's land and a building and a house and a home that, that lives get saved and baptized and children get dedicated and the Lord's Supper is taken and, Lord, lives are changed forever. And we're so grateful for that. Lord, we thank you for all the funds that have been given. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just bless everybody who's given. God, all those prayers that have prayed for this, for so many moments, Lord, we pray that you would just continue to just bless this, Lord, as you give us favor for this land and being able to close on this in the next month. We're so excited. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. David, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of attention to you. Do you mind turning this down just a little bit? Because I think I'm in my head about this echo that's in my ears. Thank you so much, man. Well, as we dive into Proverbs, I, I, I'm excited because today is May 1st. And, you know, May has 31 days and Proverbs has 31 chapters. And so I'm encouraging the church starting today to start reading Proverbs. A proverb a day keeps the devil away, something like that. And so we're just going to dive into Proverbs. It is God's wisdom compiled by Solomon as he compiles all this wisdom on earth. The greatest man, the wisest man to ever live, compiling wisdom from other people's lives, other perspectives. As you know, in this book and this literature of wisdom, there's two other Two other books, Job and Ecclesiastes, as these we have these, these literatures of wisdom that are given to us. And Solomon was wise enough to know that he didn't know everything on earth. He didn't have all the, the, the fortune cookies all in his castle. In fact, he looked to other people who made wise statements and lived wisely. He observed other cultures and other nations and how they lived wisely and he compiled all those into this book written by the Holy Spirit for our instruction and our benefit and that's a good thing so this this proverb that we're moving into 
Proverbs, as we look at this, is, is for everybody. We'll read in a moment. It was written for a young man, but the instruction of Proverbs is generalizations for everybody's life. You see, it's, it's truth written down for everybody's benefit and everyone's instruction. Proverbs should be one of those books that you read often. That you go back to it. It's, it's one of the Proverbs that when I grab a group of men, we, we, when we disciple, move in discipleship, it's great to go through Proverbs because it gives you these, this, this truth. And of this truth, you'll find that it goes well with you. A lot of these Proverbs, you will find that people have declared them over their lives and over their children. They've declared these truths. Now, I, I, want to be, I want to be careful because these Proverbs are not necessarily promises for each individual. They're not necessarily promises. For instance, like you may raise a child in the way they should go, and, and when you're old, they are departing far from it. And you're like, what is going on? I thought we were embracing this, this truth. I thought it was going to happen. But I will tell you that generally, when you raise a child in the way they should go, they will not depart from it. Generally speaking, as we look at these, these bits of wisdom and we lean into them over the next few weeks, you're going to find that these generalizations, these truths are moments that you just hold on to and you start praying into and declaring that over your life. There, there are these moments where these generalizations are thrown out there, these proverbial truths, and you embrace the God of heaven and say, Lord, I'm believing this truth for my life. I'm believing this. I'm believing that this wisdom is how it's going to go. I'm believing that if I, if I just lean into and love the lady of wisdom, that it's going to go well for me. Wisdom. This is God's perspective on the world. God's perspective on the world and the ability to make decisions is what wisdom is. God's perspective on the world and the ability to make decisions wisely. And this goes well for you. You see, Proverbs is one of those books that you lean into to find out the picture that it's painting. For instance, Proverbs is hard, or wisdom is hard to define in a moment, isn't it? It's hard to find with just a Webster definition. For godly wisdom is much more than just the line that I said or a couple of lines. It's an experience that's gained, and it's a whole masterpiece that's constructed around his character. And the more you know him and the more you lean into him, the wiser one becomes. This is helpful for us. And here today, we're going to talk about how the beginning of wisdom starts with the fear of God. Wisdom begins with fear. Now, I know this is tough because when you hear the fear of God, you think so many things. You have pictures in your mind of, of behaving or the da your dad's going to get the belt and whip you. There's all these pictures of being grounded or the fear of God. If I don't just act just right, then my life will fall apart. Then his heavy hand will come down upon me. But I want to talk about 
the fear of God. And we talk about the fear of God. We look at the fear of God in the Old Testament. But you have to remind yourself that Peter, Luke, and John also write about the fear of the Lord in the New Testament. That the fear of the Lord is something that we should embrace and enjoy. Let's get into Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You have this contrast right there where, where fools despise it and those who are wise love it and embrace the fear of the Lord. Those who want to remain foolish will have no fear of God. Now, when I grew up, and I don't know if you were like this, if you grew up and you heard that, hey, you need to fear God. You need to begin to fear him. I used to think that God was one of those who was just going to smite me for every little thing that I did. I don't know if you grew up like that. I mean, you grow of this, 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 this being that's so above and so beyond, one that is not visible but very tangible, this, this being that you feel and you sing about and you read about and you read about the Old Testament stories of the people who didn't obey him, nations that didn't obey were wiped off the face of the earth. You read about in the New Testament just two people who were hiding some of God money and dishonest with God, boom, dropped dead in a moment. You read about that, you're like, ooh, God is serious. And it moves you in a place of trembling. And it moves you in a place where, man, you don't want to mess up. You don't want to make any mistakes because you don't want to be his next victim. And as a result, sometimes you just worked and you had a life of working and producing in order to please God, trying to earn his approval, much like some people try to earn the approval of others by doing, doing, and doing, producing, producing, and producing. And I grew up with this idea, and then it shifted, where the fear of God wasn't just about the idea that he, he could smite me, right? It wasn't just this terror, but the fear of God is actually an awe, a respect, a drawing in, realizing how majestic he is, how awesome he is, and how gentle and loving he is. You see, the fear of the Lord actually draws us to him and not away from him. It draws us to his presence to begin to fix our eyes on him. You see, when Jesus came, he came on a display of God's love to humanity. He began to explain the kingdom to us as a brother, as a friend, as a Lord, and as the Savior. He came in such a way to 
to display to us who God is and his character and how to interact with God. Don't you love that Jesus never walked in terror or tremble or in a fear that if he doesn't do, God was going to smite him? No, Jesus gave us insight on how to walk with God and how to fear him in a way that was in awe and respect and gave him our first. And Jesus leaned into the Father. And that's what the fear of the Lord instructs us to do, to lean in to him. This is why it's the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because it draws us to him. And there's many benefits to our life uh, when we can break the whole idea that God is going to smite us, but instead he loves us and wants a relationship with us. There's many benefits when you move into the fear of the Lord. And Proverbs talks about this. In chapter 8, verse 13, it says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. You see that? The fear of the Lord is actually moves you to a hatred of evil things, evil ways, evil thinking, and evil sayings. It moves us and draws us into a place where we would rather be with our king than be in the evil that exists around us. We no longer want to participate in these deeds of destruction that just do not produce life. Yes, temporary, maybe some gratification of some senses, but the next day regret. The fear of the Lord moves us into a place of being with him and longing for him and loving him. This is what the fear of the Lord does. In Proverbs 10, 21, it says the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Generalization, right? The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the ways of the wicked will be short. We may look at our life and you may look at this earth and some days seem shorter for others than you think they ought to be. Maybe some days seem shorter of some people we love, but they loved God. They loved you. They, they, they feared you. They were going to church. They discipled and they were faithful, and yet their years were cut short. You see, it's not, these are not truths that are promised to every individual. They're in generalization saying this is a moment of wisdom for most people. When you feel, fear the Lord, it prolongs your life. And we know this practically because a life lived in Christianity, you've heard this said before in here, but a life lived in Christianity, the average lifespan of a Christian is seven years longer than somebody else. Seven years longer. Why? Because they weren't given to alcoholism. Because they didn't pervert their mind with thoughts that they should not be thinking about. Because they didn't move into some sort of vanity that was only about them, but they lived to please others. They weren't self-loathing, and they weren't in this place or this state of mental um, uh, placements. 
Because they set their eyes on Jesus and God responded with joy and life and fulfillment and the community of the believers coming together. You realize when you meet together from house to house and you hear the apostles teaching and you break bread together and you share the things that you have in common and you tend to each other's needs and you know that somebody is for you, even though the world may be against you, somebody has your back, they're right there, it kind of makes you live a little bit longer. This is what the kingdom is all about. This is how he moves. This is wisdom life. Wisdom life. A wisdom lifestyle is one that's going to produce life in each other. Proverbs 14, 26 says, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord protects one from the fear of man, which leads many into sin. The fear of the Lord protects us and gives us this strong confidence. Uh, It's something when you start leaning into God with your life with your family. You start pointing your children to the Lord. What happens, there's this safety and there's this refuge and there's this affirming of who God created you to be. That affirmation lets us walk out the front door with a new level of confidence, not one that we have to have by going to enough CrossFit boxes, Caesar. No, not one by by growing a large enough beard or wearing the right blazers, will the high tops and not the low tops or whatever it may be. You see, it's not what we muster up and what we do on the outward. It's actually what God starts doing on the inward that makes you start walking taller when you go out the front door. Godly confidence and the fear of the Lord moves you to that place. 1 Corinthians 10.20 says this, as it is talking about idolatry. And it's ta- and Paul's writing about this, says, No, I imply that when what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. 1 Corinthians 10.20 says that I want you to lean into God, to participate with God, to lean into his wisdom and not be so susceptible to walk out the door looking for wisdom other places, looking to feed your bellies with other things that this whole idea of idolatry and idolatry coming into our lives and our circles creeping up in the most interesting ways, doesn't it? Creeping up in the Old Testament in a small carved image. Feels ridiculous to worship something that doesn't have breath. But that's what idolatry does. It captures you so quickly to move you into ridiculous worship. And the fear of God leans you and moves you into a place to worshiping. The one who really matters. Who will you fear? Is my question for you. Who will you fear? 
Will you fear the perception of the others around you? Will you fear not having enough provision so you move to the idolatry of money? Jesus would say you can't serve two masters. You serve me or you serve this treasure. You serve heavenly treasure or you serve worldly things. What do you fear? Who will you fear? Proverbs 29, 25 says this. The fear, fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. This moment that, that Proverbs is offering us as we enter into our daily reading this month is an invitation saying, do you trust me? Do you love me? Do you believe that I have enough for you? Can I affirm you? Can I build you up? Can I strengthen you? Can I guide you? Can I give you direction? Lean in to me. And it's why we're pursuing such a walk. Such a walk. You see, wisdom is, it starts with the fear of God and it moves us into a place of the realization of how great it is to be with God. How great it is to be with him. Psalm 84 verse 10 says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The psalmist knew it. People before us knew it. Generations knew it. Churches planted knew it. People being a part of church plants knew it. People who who decided to do life with one another knew it. Those who disciple one another know it. You see, it's this whole idea that I'm living for something beyond my temporary satisfaction. Because as I give him eternal praise and lean into him, God does a work. And he does a wonder. And the paradox is this. As you sacrificially give and serve and love and be a part of him and lean into him, you're satisfied. He satisfies your longings, doesn't he, church? Wisdom, it it, it moves us into the place where the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and wisdom begins to build. It builds Wisdom builds. That's what it does. One definition would be is that wisdom builds. This word wisdom, this whole idea of creating, artistically innovating. It's found in Exodus chapter 31. You may remember when when Jesus, when God was up to building, he began to empower people by the Holy Spirit. And he gave them the wisdom of God to create his intricacies and his delicacies. This is what wisdom does. It helps build what God has always wanted to build, his church. It builds a place of worship. And it builds a place of worship in our very hearts. Wisdom builds us. These temples 
that hold the Holy Spirit. That can't even contain the Holy Spirit because he's bubbling up out of us into other people's lives and loving them so well. Wisdom builds. And lastly, we see that wisdom is worth it. It's worth it. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom will build an incredible life, and wisdom will be worth it. Psalm 121.1, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. This is what happens when we begin to pursue God. The fear of God draws us to him, self. And as we're drawn to him, we find these generalizations become realities and not just these moments of feeling like you can't grasp them, they become realities to his very nature. Wisdom comes, and as it's giving, it's ultimately given back to him. This is what God has implored us to do. This is why Solomon compiled these books, so that we can be wise and not our own understanding but in his ways so this is my encouragement to us luminous is that we would start proverbs chapter one today we'd start moving through proverbs next sunday on mother's day we're going to have six different moms in our church speak about proverbs 31 and encourage us through that and we're going to lean into god and what he has for us and i pray that our church would never be the same after this month I pray that God will give us a love for his word and a love for these Proverbs. I want to pray for you. If you wouldn't mind closing your eyes and bowing your head this morning. As you know, wisdom comes from God. It's from him. It's a gift. There are some generalizations out there that all humanity can grab. It's God's common grace to the earth. That if you move in such a way, there's going to be some blessings. But the truth is, if you want all of God, you got to know God. If you want all of him, you have to meet him. To really have this wisdom, you have to move in a relationship with him. The fear of God is all about drawing you into a relationship. And so I want to ask you a question with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. The way to meet God is not by coming to church and by not doing good deeds. The way to meet God is through his son, Jesus. Jesus, who lived a perfect life on this earth. One that had no flaw, no sin. And he came to this earth to redeem a people who were lost in Genesis chapter 3. So that they could know the living God. And he gave himself on the cross willingly. No one took his life from him. He gave it willingly as a sacrifice for you and me. So that you and I would no longer have to live separated from God the Father in heaven. But we could live whole. 
He died a death, a gruesome death, was buried for three days, and then was raised to life by the power of God. His resurrection, he is seated on the right hand of God as King Jesus, and he looks at you and me, and he says, you're mine. For those who believe in that and believe in him, they say, I'm trusting you for position as a son, as a daughter in the house of God. You made a way. I trust you. I'm turning away from everything called sin. I'm leaning into you to follow you. If that's you this morning and you've never made that profession of faith and never said, I want to be a follower of King Jesus. Would you raise your hand so I could pray for you this morning? If that's anybody in here. Father, we love you and we praise you. And God, we ask that you would just continually make us whole, make us new, make us like you. Father, as we lean into Proverbs this month, I pray that it would be enlightening as we embrace these truths. Start praying these generalizations over our life to break through. And that which is cursed would become blessed. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.